Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. It's the best of the Joe Show, running back some of the best audio you've heard on this radio station over the past 24 hours. I am a Dan Day on this Tuesday. Unless you have been on lockdown for a month, then it's whatever day you think it is. But I'm pretty sure I am Dan Day. Yeah, that's about the only day we're sure of now. And I'm not 100% sure on that, but when am I ever? I'm pretty sure you can follow me on Twitter at Dan Day Radio. And I know you're going to want to hear... Some of the goodies I have for you today. Joe Rose Show going to be talking to the OG Heat coach, Ron Rothstein. He also coached for the Bad Boys and against Michael Jordan. Man, listening back to that earlier today, fantastic. I can't wait to hear it again. That's just minutes away, so hold tight on that. The Dan Lebetard Show. They're talking the NFL no fan zone. Then Hawk and Crowder have Jay Fig in another great movie review. Did she take my movie suggestion? I don't want to ruin it for you. I don't want to ruin it for you. Hmm. It's all on the way, but right now, let's get into some headlines. Chargers GM Tom Telesco claims L.A. would have taken Tua at 6 in the NFL draft if Miami would have taken Herbert at 5. CBS Sports predicts the Canes football team will finish 9-3 overall and 5-3 in the ACC next season. In addition to that, defensive end Greg Russo has the 7th best odds of winning the Heisman. Due to pushback from various teams, the NBA has moved back its return to workout date from Friday to next Friday, May 8th. UK Sports Minister Oliver Dowden says he's looking to get Premier League back ASAP. The British Isles are on lockdown until at least May 7th. Three-star recruit Ryan Rodriguez has committed to the U's 2021 class. Rodriguez is rated as the nation's number six center. FIU coach Butch Davis says it is a slam dunk that this year's college football season will happen. The Panthers finished 6-7 last season. Now, let's take a step into the day spa. (sighs) While serving a search warrant in a missing persons investigation, San Francisco police came across a head in a freezer. Looks like this has turned in to more of a homicide case than a missing persons case. A dust storm has shut down the town of Dusty Washington. Oh, the irony. A Toronto man recently rode a stationary bike for 24 straight hours covering some virtual 626 miles. When it comes to how you're doing during coronavirus, this dude is coming out hunk, not chunk, and I'm coming out just drunk. A British banker admits to feeling guilty after having an affair during the coronavirus lockdown. Did he ask his wife and kids for forgiveness? No! He feels guilty because he broke lockdown rules and could have gotten others sick. He says he will continue the affair when all this quote-unquote hell is over. That dude. Now on to weather. Tonight's forecast, cloudy with temperatures in the mid-70s. This is some good stuff right here. Everybody has Michael Jordan. Scotty Pippen, Dennis Rodman on their tongues nowadays with the Last Dance documentary. So the Joe Rose Show got with the original Heat head coach and a guy who coached 
the bad boys who had some epic face-offs against the Chicago Bulls and Michael Jordan. Of course, he coached against Michael Jordan many times. Ron Rothstein, what is he talking about? Of course, Pistons versus Bulls. Also, the big non-handshake that everyone seems to be talking about. Gives us some insight on Bill Lambeer. Dennis, not the worm Rodman. Dennis, the sponge Rodman. Then he makes some comments on LeBron. And of course, gives us a little lowdown on Michael Jordan. Well, we weren't bad people. We were just basketball players winning. And that kind of stuck with me because they didn't know who we were or what we were about as individuals and in our family life. So all that whining they did, why shake their hand? They were just whiners. They won They won the series. Give them credit. We got old. They got past us. But, okay, move on. Why would I regret now today? I don't, I don't care what the media says about them. I never did. If I did, I'd be a basket case, uh, especially back then. So, you know, I just I was about winning basketball games and winning championships and did whatever I had to do to get the most out of my ability and our team. And we did. At the end of the day, we're called world champions. Assistant coach for the Pistons from 1986 to 1988. Head coach of the Miami Heat. The original from the 88 to 91. Ron Rothstein joining us right now. And he coached that man we just heard in Bill Lambeer and Isaiah Thomas and that whole thing. Ron, good morning. Thank you for joining the show. We appreciate it. Good morning, guys. How you doing? Hope everybody's well. Ron, right back at you. How you been, my man? Before we get going, how you doing? We're doing great. As good as you can do. Everybody's good. Everybody's healthy so far That's and good. Uh, just trying to stay safe. Hey, listen, uh, we were thinking about you. We're not going to lie. Had a little clip of you after the Dennis Rodman episode in the parking lot with a shotgun. And uh, I go, listen, Ron Rothstein's got to be sitting at home watching Michael Jordan in the last dance. Have you seen all four episodes so far, Ron? Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) So let's just get right to it. What are your thoughts about Michael Jordan calling Isaiah Thomas for not shaking hands with a few seconds left after Chicago finally beats the Pistons? He called him an ass clown. We'll call it clown here instead of hole. What do you think of the whole thing? And and by the way, Isaiah still seemed pretty salty about it yesterday. Yeah, well, if somebody called you that, you'd probably feel salty about it, too. Look, there's, you know, there's three sides to every story. The truth is somewhere in the middle. But, you you know, I heard that clip you played of, of Bill Lambier. That basically says it all. The leaders of those Pistons, I was fortunate enough to get there in the fall of 86, and that was the beginning of the bad boys. I was brought there by Chuck Daly. I spent my first three years as an assistant in Atlanta, and Chuck hired me. He hired me to coach the defense. Remember, the first thing he said to me was, the first guy who's going to test you was Lambeer. He's just very irreverent. And it was true, but Lambeer was also very bright. He was probably one of the top five guys I've ever seen in terms of maximizing his abilities, maybe top two or three. And he truly didn't care what he had to do to win. That was absolutely true. I put in the defensive principles. I coached the defense. Back in the day, it was like, okay, if somebody goes to the basket, they get no layups. You go and make a play <laughs> on the ball. You go and make a play on the ball. If you knock somebody down and in the process, so be it. But it's got to be a clean foul, and you don't want to hurt anybody. But nobody gets a free pass. Well, those guys just took it to another level. The interesting thing about that group is five straight years in the Eastern Conference Finals, three straight years in the NBA Finals, back-to-back championships, and everybody considered that a great defense defensive team i don't think we were a great defensive i think we were a good defensive team but with lockdown in crucial situations and that group never got the credit they deserved for being the offensive team that they were that team had joe dumart's hall of fame isaiah thomas hall of fame right. adrian dantley and then mark aguire adrian dantley hall of fame uh Lambier, one of the best big men shooters ever vinnie the microwave coming off the bench this guy could score and when i got there rodman and sally were rookies uh, they had changed everything. And then comes along 
Michael Jordan. He was on the way. And then things just changed. I, I was thinking, and you saw the bad boys and, and, and that show, the documentary about them. So I, I thought it was really good. But I think a lot of people, especially when you're talking about hard fouling Michael Jordan, who obviously wasn't happy with the, the Jordan rules, which meant knock his ass down if he got past the defense. Was it no, that it bad? Joke. Joe, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to yeah. stop you a second. That's, okay. that's the, that was part of their mantra, that those guys. And they treated everybody the same. He wasn't the only one. But the Jordan rules were a specific design set of defensive principles that only applied to Michael Jordan. And I know because I wrote them. I love it. In spite of what you might hear and other people's claims, I know who wrote them. And I know who will implement them the first time in the 88 Eastern Conference semifinals. Well, they work. Joe, there's a reason we wrote them, okay? And the story goes like this. We had played the Bulls, I don't know if it was four times back then or six times, and they had beaten us once. And it was late April of 88. We played the Bulls. It was a CBS afternoon, Sunday afternoon game of the week in the Silver Dome in Michigan, in Pontiac. We had done pretty well against them, and we, we had trapped Jordan all year long. We trapped him on every pick and roll. We trapped him when he posted up, uh, and we leaned towards him. You know, we'd shrink the floor. We'd lean towards him. Everybody had to know where he was all the time. But those were the two specific areas that we trapped him. Going into that game, Chuck Daly, may rest in peace, the late, great Chuck Daly, said to me, you know what, let's play him straight up today. So I said, Chuck, we, we can't do that. If we, if we do that, he's going to get 60. He says, I don't care. Let's just see what happens. The game really didn't mean much. It was late in April. And the playoffs were looming. He either got 58, 59, or 60, and they beat us by I don't know how many. <laughs> they played, I forget who they played in the first round. They win their first round. We played Washington in the first round. And so now we meet Chicago in the second round of the Eastern Conference Finals. And got together for our first meeting prior to, at the start of that series. Chuck walks into the room and says, I don't care what you do. Come up with something. I don't care who shoots the ball. He can't. Listen, it was simple enough simply because the other guys weren't good enough. And if he didn't score anywhere from one-third to 50% of their points in the game, they, they couldn't beat us. There was no way. We came up with the Jordan rules. That was the, that was the wow. real Jordan yeah. rules. Wow, that's good insight right there. Ron, I got a question for you. Uh, Dennis Robin, obviously you said you were there when they drafted him and he came in. What was Dennis like in the beginning? Obviously we've seen Dennis and the, the dramatic change over the last you know 15 or 20 years, but when he first got to the Pistons and you first got to work with him, what was he like? Was he like a sponge? Like What was he like with trying to learn the NBA game? It's exactly what he was. He was a sponge. And he was a great kid. He was a workaholic. He was shy, a little bit reserved, but you put him on the floor – uh, Brendan Malone said it. Brendan was there for the two championship years. I had come after 88. I came here to start, you know, we start the heat. He said one day he was working with Dennis and Chuck walked over to him and said, leave him alone. You don't put a saddle on a wild coat. No, but Dennis was, I mean, he, his exuberance was, first yeah. of all, he was a 25-year-old rookie, you know, and he had this great growth spurt, growth spurt, I think, after he got out of high school. I think in high school he was 5'11". He grew to 6'8". He was an incredible, I honestly believe he could have been a decathlon champion. I really do. His athletic prowess, the strength in his body, the endurance was just spectacular. He just, he was a sponge. There's no question about it. And people, he was getting criticized early on because he'd run down the court, you know, raising his fist. And he was different. And he got caught a lot of criticism. And we had conversations about it, you know. And Chuck was very, very smart, man. He really was. And Chuck just said, leave him alone. Let him be who he is. Hey, uh, I want to ask you about the, 
the dream team stuff, which seems to to really bother Isaiah Thomas after all these years back in 1992, uh, especially considering the Pistons were, were the head coach and general manager were very involved in that team. Do you believe that he was kept off that team because of, of Michael Jordan and dislike for Isaiah? That's my belief, yeah. I don't think there's, there's no way he didn't belong on the team. And I think uh, that's absolutely true. Do I have proof? No. Spoken to a number of people, and, and I do know that one guy that was on the committee, he told Isaiah that. And this is really uh, interesting. So after I leave the Heat for the 91-92 season, and that's when the Dream Team was picked to, to, to play in the 92 Olympics, and they picked John Stockton over Isaiah Thomas. So when Utah came to Detroit, I was broadcasting for the Pistons that year. I was their color guy. I went back to Detroit. And when Utah came back to Detroit, that night, Isaiah scored 44 on Stockton. Wow. He said, oh, yeah? Okay, yeah. take this. Okay. Then when we went to Utah, I'll never forget this. First play of the game, Isaiah drives the lane, goes up, and Carl Malone comes across and gave his version of the bad boys, mm-hmm. but took that to another level. He hit him with an elbow so hard on the top of Isaiah's head, he split his head open. Isaiah went to the hospital and had 44 stitches. Oh, Wow. First play of the game. This is really weird because when they were warming up, I was sitting there and I worked with George Blaha, who's still the voice of the Pistons, one of the all-time greats, great guy. And I said to, I said to George, Carl Malone doesn't look right. Honest to God, I said that. I just watched and I looked at him in the warm-ups. I said, Carl Malone, just, he looks different tonight. And first play, bam. And by the way, Isaiah went to the hospital, came back and played in the fourth quarter. Listen, those guys, they can say whatever they, <clears throat> whatever they want about those guys. Lambier and Isaiah, two of the toughest human beings, basketball-wise, competitive, competitors I was ever around. And I've been around a lot of them. Wow. I tell you, Isaiah Thomas was tough. How about the ankle, going back that swollen ankle? and right. Didn't even know if he was going to play. He was uh, unbelievable. So, so you're he, right. I, yeah. you know, he, should, he shouldn't have played in game seven. That was the worst sprained ankle. I, I never saw a balloon like that. And he, he doesn't get hurt that night in game six. We win the championship. He got 42, but, you know, he limped around the whole fourth quarter. He probably would have gotten 50. We would have won the championship in 88 against the Lakers and Pat. I believe we were up 10 in the third quarter when he got hurt. They had no answer for him. He was just unconscious. At the end of three quarters, he had 37. He had 25 in the third quarter. He tried to play. You know, we lost by – Kareem made two foul shots with 10 seconds to go. And then we we lost by two. We lost game seven by three. Isaiah tried to play in the first half, but we shut him down in the second half. He could barely walk. I don't know how many guys that I've ever met would have even tried to play. Let me ask you about the other side of this, Ron, real quickly, because the Michael Jordan stuff obviously is very popular, what he's done for basketball. Is, when people talk about Le- LeBron James and Michael Jordan, how do you stand on that now that you've had a chance to see both of them probably up close, about as close as anybody in the NBA? I have two rings because of LeBron and Dwayne and Chris and those guys. We, we benefited. We went to the finals four straight years. Right. It was a great run, and I think LeBron is an absolutely fabulous player. At times, he might, might be the most impactful or the most – let me put it to you this way. There's only one guy I've ever seen when he wanted to who could play all five positions at both ends of the court and play it at an all-star level, and that's LeBron James. He could guard anybody. He could play any offensive position. He was absolutely dynamic. The greatest basketball player in my mind in terms of skill, 
agility, ability, and, and winning. I used to say Bill Russell, and I have a hard time not saying Bill Russell because right. he's the greatest winner in the history of pro sports. But the best bet, for my money, the number one guy is Michael Jordan. And if you go back wow. and look at his numbers and what he did, and he was singular. He was just, you know, there was Dr. J, and then he left, and then came Michael, and he took that to another level. He really did. I was in Boston Garden scouting. I was assistant coach of the Hawks. We were going to play the winner of the Celtics Bulls series in the second round. We got past, actually, we got past Detroit, this playoffs of 86. <clears throat> and I was there that Sunday when he got 63 on the Celtics. I was sitting right on the baseline, right next to the, right next to the Bulls bench. And I knew Stan Albach, the coach, and Stan at one point during the game. I mean, they just, they just ran clear out after clear out after clear out. Stan walked down the end of the bench. He turned to me and he went, hey, Ronnie, watch this one. And he turned and he put up the C sign, you know, thumb and forefinger together. And Jordan get a clear out and go to the basket or pull up and shoot a jumper. And he was on a roll. About four or five times, Stan walked down, same, same thing. He stopped in front of me and go, watch this one. And every time he did it, it was the same call. It was C. He turned. He, he turned. He turned. He looked at me and went, like my offense? <laughs> oh, Ron. That is awful. Oh, that is unbelievable. They had no... They had no clue. Everybody tried to guard him. Everybody. Everybody took a turn. And it was like he was toying with them. Yeah. And, uh, <clears throat> and then, that, you know, I had, I had the privilege of seeing him play and coaching against him for his entire career. He was yeah. just different, man. He was just special. And, he, and, you know, I never worked with him. But as, as a human being, man to man, we meet, we talk. Yeah. What a classy guy. And his fantasy camp out in, out in Vegas – I saw him take a, a kid from a who was there. A, a kid was a. Um, we were in Cleveland at the time, and my wife was involved with this uh, organization called the Leprechaun Foundation. It was sort of like Make a Wish. They sent a kid out to uh, to Vegas to the fantasy camp, and he was supposed to be there for a morning. Michael kept him there for three days, wow. and he kept him by his side. It was uh, <laughs> it was unbelievable. That is powerful stuff. The greatest. And I'm not just talking about Michael Jordan. I'm talking about Coach Ron Rothstein. You can kind of just hear that he coached the bad boys, the defensive side of the bad boys. And, of course, he coached right here in Miami, the original coach of the Heat. Oddly enough, today, on this day, in 1987, the NBA announced it awarded Miami an expansion team. And the rest is a glorious, glorious history. Speaking of glory in Miami, the Dan Lebitard show is on the way. Kirk Cousins is sitting here saying that he likes the idea of uh, no noise, being able to just do his craft with no noise bothering him or interrupting him. Dan and the guys will have a take on that five minutes away on the Best of the Joe show. This is the best of the Joe Show, running back some of the best audio you've heard on this radio station over the past 24 hours. I am Dan Day. Please follow me on Twitter at Dan Day Radio. I'll make it worth your while, especially with times kind of being a little slower due to the lockdown and coronavirus. I'll help you get your mind off that nasty virus. Go ahead, follow me at Dan Day Radio. I want to wish a happy birthday to the godmother of indie rock, the godmother of college rock, Sonic Youth's Kim Gordon. Got to love some Sonic Youth. Got to love Kim Gordon. Oh, she's got the solo stuff. Of course, this is her ex-husband. We're not going to talk about that. Thurston Moore doing some of the singing on this one. Try to get some Sonic Youth on the radio every once in a while. And once again, Kim Gordon got those solo albums out. 
just as good as the Sonic Youth stuff. But Sonic Youth, that's what put her on the map. So happy birthday to one Kim Gordon. It's always happy times on the Dan Levitard Show, weekdays from 10 to 1 right here on 560 The Joe. Earlier today, what are they talking about? Well, they're talking about the NFL No Fan Zone. Also, some crazy sound from Carmen Electra and more that you'll definitely need to hear. The thing that I wanted to ask you guys as this thing relates to sports and as it relates to no crowds at games, Kirk Cousins is sitting here saying that he likes the idea of uh, no noise, being able to just do his craft with no noise bothering him or interrupting him. But the part I wanted to ask you about, because if NFL revenue goes down, I understand this week we're all grateful for the NFL, uh, celebrating the NFL for during a really just bizarre time we're sitting here and the draft is doing record numbers and that michael uh, jordan documentary is doing ridiculous record numbers and the reason that's happening is because we're all just incredibly starved for any morsel of sports chris cody has descended into horse race betting i'm gonna ask him about that in a second like he's just he's betting on horse racing but what i wanted to ask you is the following like of all the questions that we have and everyone's got a bunch of opinions but doesn't seem like anyone's got any answers not even the nfl uh, the nba which is you know progressive about this stuff can figure out how to they're they're led well and nobody knows how to head into the future because it's so uncertain if you're doing this by state for example and you're trying to return with pac-12 football what happens with the la teams let's just say hypothetically that we're coming back without fans First of all, as it relates to college football, which ESPN desperately, desperately needs, your two Los Angeles teams are only going to play road games? Like, I have a million questions. Mass gatherings, isn't that what a practice is called? Like, mass gatherings, isn't that simply what a practice is called? And the most interesting question to me, as it relates to the business of this, you know, the NFL revenue goes down, then the salary cap goes down. That's never happened before. The salary cap goes up. And this part, I think, is interesting, and I don't think a lot of people know this that the NBA and Major League Baseball have force majeure contract language. The NFL does not. So the players don't have like a a work stoppage uh, through an extraordinary force. It's not in their contracts. So while the NBA can sit here and take money because they've got work stoppage clauses that don't have anything to do with, you know, contract squabbles, what you get into a situation with some of this is that the NFL, if it doesn't have the same kind of revenue, it's going to be forced to try and get out there without crowds. And that becomes an entirely different NFL, no matter how much we are starved for sports. It may carry us for a little bit, Stugatz, right. but these games without fans are a legitimate problem where you think you're going to feel like you're watching scrimmages of some sort if that's the way they end up coming back. And no matter how rich these dudes are in the NFL, the idea that they don't have this contract language that allows them to protect the paychecks did you did you read about what um mav carter uh, did with many of the clutch employees in the nba uh, most of them more than 90 percent of their money came in april 1st 
They had a different wow. contract language than most of the guys in the NBA. LeBron got LeBron's paid for the season. Like th- these guys got paid and they got all their money in full April 1st. What the hell does football do if you've got a situation where the revenue is down and so the cap is down and now you're dealing with players that you need to get out there and play because you're paying them whether they play or not. Right. It's smart. First off, smart move by Rich Paul. I'm certain the rest of the league is jealous and athletes are jealous that may perhaps their agent to do the same thing. Uh, I could see football working, college football, NFL. I could see it all working, Dan, without fans for a very short period of time. But I do agree with you. Uh, the players are going to need the fans because it just feels right having fans watch your game and the league is going to need that revenue. And so I'm not certain what the answer is. Like with the NFL, is the TV revenue enough to carry that? them for a couple of years if no fans are coming to the games college football i don't think it's possible i think they rely too much on the gate too much on the fans too much of the money that comes in from ninety thousand people packing into a stadium on a saturday afternoon i just don't think it's feasible i don't think it's Not possible much, though the, the the television money usurps it by a good deal it's college sports we gave you those numbers some people quibble with the Ravel numbers but college sure. football 75 percent of the money comes from attendance people being in the games according to uh Ravel which some people have disputed those numbers but regardless college football needs fans more than pro football does so Stugatz, I've got three radio sounds for you here. Three different radio sounds. One is from Spain and Company. It's Carmen Electra, who was very briefly uh, married to Dennis Rodman. And the story you heard during the documentary on Sunday was that Rodman had a 48-hour vacation in Las Vegas during the season, partying the entire time. Michael Jordan has to go pull him out of a room where Carmen Electra was hiding in the closet. Uh, the second sound is Jeff Passan uh, doing something I wasn't expecting from Jeff Passan. Uh, I have my biases and someone who looks like Jeff Passan. I simply wasn't expecting what he did uh, on SportsCenter. Did you, have you seen any of these things that I'm talking about? The third is a Jeopardy contestant, and it's some funny sound from Sony Pictures. Have you uh, heard any of these? Stugatz? Okay, very good. So number one is Carmen Electra and what she remembers about hiding from Michael Jordan. He's frozen. He's frozen. Here's the funny thing about, here's the funny thing about what just happened. Stugatz is frozen and because he's in that position so very often, um, all of us, I don't know, he might have been this way. He might, Stugatz is totally frozen on the Zoom in a position. He should do this going in the future as the world's laziest man. Just to trick us that he's doing the radio show. If he has the ability to freeze himself in exactly this position. He just disappeared. My God, that was hilarious. It could have been that he just died because of the push-ups. But that was his resting, listening position. I I was stunned at how attentive he actually was. And I didn't understand why he wasn't answering my question, given that he's never looked like he was paying more attention to me. If you've ever been in a Zoom meeting that's been company-mandated, that still would be very effective to just put on the screen and not take part yes, in the meeting because the, everyone would be like, this guy's locked in. Right. But the problem is, of course, uh, and the the hole in the whole thing is when you ask the frozen figure a question. <laughs> we, and, were, and, uh, we were all, so we were all staring at 
two gods who seem to be staring right back at us with an uncommon zeal. Anyway, here's here's Carmen uh, Carmen Electra on Spain and Company. What I remember happened in Dennis's living room because he slept in front of his couch. He put a mattress right on the floor in front of his couch and that's where we slept and there was one time michael came to the door because he was late for practice and dennis turns to me and i was naked hiding behind the couch he and he was he looked scared dennis looked scared for one time in his life and he said michael's at the door i i gotta go i gotta go and i was hiding because i i didn't know if michael was coming in i didn't know what was happening and Dennis got dressed real quick for practice and left. As I'm seeing this, it looks looked as if that happened in Vegas. And then I thought, oh, no. Was that another girl in Vegas? That oh, was no. some bed. Oh, no. but I, I, will t- I will say this much. Dennis never, ever brought a girl around me or wanted me to be with another woman. He only wanted us to be together. So... You know, it was just took time for me to figure out, you know, some of the things that were happening in Dennis's eccentric life. So here is Jeff Passan. This is Jeff Passan on SportsCenter. If you know what Jeff Passan looks like, this is even funnier. There's a reason, Scott, that over my shoulder right here, I have a Wu-Tang Clan record. Uh Because every time in sports we are talking about a story of substance, Mm -hmm. it gets back to the famous words... Cash rules everything around me. Cream, get the money. Dollar, dollar bill, y'all. Uh, Greg Cody, what are you busy doing that you have your back to the radio show? And instead of doing what we're doing here, which is trying to engage you the way that we just engaged to God, you know what? I've got to talk about his exactos. That's the only way to Greg, Greg Cody to talk about anything around here is to talk about things that are important to him, either that or his podcast. What, Cody? I can tell you that the, the reason my back was momentarily He's Dan, Stu, and Greg Cody on the ESPN radio yes once again they cut off greg cody that's crazy Stu got frozen on the screen that's life nowadays yet kind of crazy anchors talking about cream from the wu-tang clan that's crazy what's not crazy coronavirus or not carmen Electra, dennis robin they've always been like that in normal times in strange times in all times kind of like what hunter s thompson said when the going gets weird the weird turn pro and I'm kind of the pro-weird guy on the Hawk and Crowder show. We're going to check in with them and Jay Fig in just a minute. Here's a little taste. I read snapping. Yeah, start snapping, Figgy. Well, you got a masculine snap. You all beat. No, not. <laughs> all types of bad snapping and movie reviews next on the Hawk Crowder show. Relived, as we usually do on the Best of the Joe show. Welcome back to the Best of the Joe Show, running back some of the best audio you've heard on this radio station over the past 24 hours. I am Dan Dan. Why am I playing my all-time favorite Rolling Stones song? Well, got two Rolling Stones-related birthdays. Loren Scott, who was not only Mick Jagger's personal stylist for a while, but also his paramour. She was born on this day in 1964, unfortunately passed away 2014. And Chuck Lavelle, original member of the Almond Brothers and a touring member of the Rolling Stones, 68 today. Some other big birthdays, Jessica Alba, 39, Penelope Cruz, 46. Both of them do not look anywhere near their actual age, so 
kudos to them and whoever may be dating them. John Daly is 54. You know he's having a happy hour every hour of the day, especially on his birthday. Barry Larkin, whose son played basketball at the U, is 56. And Ron Zook, who coached our very own Channing Crowder at the University of Florida, 66. I'm sure Crowder has DM'd him, texted him, called him all day long, wishing him a happy birthday. Speaking of Crowder, earlier today, he jumped up on the radio with Hawk and Jay Fig. That's right, Figgy in the mix for her movie review. And ooh, those masculine offbeat snaps. It's Figgy! Cinema! Jay Fig knows it. Hey guys, I didn't know you guys were there by surprise. Watch one that we assign her and generally hate it and it sends us all into a depression for at least a segment or two. I fall off an open in my tail pack. Yeah, I didn't like it. Like, it has like real life situations and stuff but I felt like the ending should have been in the middle. Chicks dig me because I rarely wear underwear and when I do it's usually something unusual. I don't know, I was kind of mm. irritated the entire time. Nobody puts baby in a corner. Rose. We're going, we don't need roads. Biggie Fresh. The Catalina Wine Mixer. I really want to give it like a 9.5 out of 10. And it sends us all into a depression. Show me the money. He's looking at you, kid. I'll be back. We'll see you at the movies. Let's enjoy this song for a moment. Have you seen Flashdance, Crowder? Nope. Solana, have you seen Flashdance? I have. You have? Yeah, I have. Huh. Did not, uh, did not see that coming. It's a banger of a soundtrack. Crank this up for a sec, Solana. Irene Carey. Yeah, start snapping, Piggy. Oh, you got a masculine snap. You off beat. No, I'm not. <laughs> no. It is probably the lag. Don't you dare. I think it's the lag. It is it's funny because lag. it, it is, is so off beat. <laughs> it's got it. <laughs> Remember in the movie Us when uh, they're doing I Got Five on it? I oh, think. Yeah. Was it I Got Five on it? Yes. And, and the mom is totally off beat on the snap. <laughs> that is Jay Figg right lag. I think it is oh, the lag. That's funny. We'll ride with that, but I don't know. True. <laughs> Gonna cut you some slack on that one. So Jay Fig joins us every day. She uh, she snaps uh, wildly. That would be a deal breaker for me. You know, like where you go. You ever watch Boomerang and it's all about the feet, right? Yeah. You could have the prettiest woman, but the feet are so mangled that it's a deal breaker. <laughs> yep. I think if you broke out that awful snap, I'd have to hit it. Why? Because it's I'd so like, manly? <laughs> yeah, it's like, uh, yeah, it's not a feminine snap. It's very. Wow, that's. <laughs> 
Yeah. Sexist. It's like, a, uh, well, listen, some snaps are feminine, some are masculine. Yours is masculine. If that's, fe- <laughs> if that's sexist, I'll take I'll take that. You snap with the middle finger, huh? The big the big one? I do. It. Yes, I know what the middle finger is. Okay. You got big, meaty ham hands? Oh, gotta no, have ashy uh, hands. Oh, definitely hands. not. <laughs> With that finger hitting that brick on the other side? Which one's your girl, man? My, you yeah. know the one over there looks like she got a catcher's mitt? Yeah, that's my girl over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, softball. Play softball back in the day. J-Fig. Uh, softball, no mitt. So we assign her movies every day. She is 27 years old, hasn't seen a ton of movies. Or a lot of the movies that I give her, you know, like Flashdance from 1983, she really has had no business seeing. And then she posts the review of the movie on Instagram. Her Instagram is J-Fig. Fig Radio, letter J F I G Radio. So what? Now I'll be honest. I don't think I've seen Flashdance since 1983. So I don't even remember the movie. I know that the soundtrack was a banger and the movie was a huge hit. And everyone I told you yesterday was wearing their sweatshirts off the shoulder like Jennifer Beals did in the movie. But I, I don't remember the movie at all. So was it any good? It was good. I mean, I feel like sometimes there were some scenes where I don't, I don't think they would hold up so much now just because I feel like so much more could have been put into the movie nowadays yeah I mean it's almost 40 years old so that would make sense yeah but it was a fun soundtrack it was relatable in the sense that she was just trying to make something out of her life and then she would grow frustrated when she couldn't and it was just about trying to chase it and going with it all right so what uh what rating what grade are you giving flash dan i gave it a seven out of ten just because like i said i don't know how it would hold up nowadays all right, a seven out of ten. I think yesterday's movie got a seven point two out of ten. So seven point five actually couldn't get that extra two tenths of a point, huh? <laughs> All right, well there you go. Um, we have to assign you movies now for tonight. Yesterday I assigned Flashdance. Crowder had uh, suggested No Country for Old Men, Solana Like Mike, and Dan Day <laughs> Lost in Translation. I know. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what's happened to Solana. If you missed yesterday, because a lot of people, you know, listening now at 2.50 weren't listening yesterday, say at 5.45 or 5. When, when did we have you on yesterday? Was the, the last segment like of the show? It was like 4.30. 4.20. Oh, about 4.30? Okay, so here, here's how uh, Jay Fig signed off when she was on with us yesterday. Oh, my God. See you, Figgy. All right, but Bye, guys. All right. What'd she just say? <laughs> Bye, right, but. And we still... Almost 24 hours removed from it, we have had the uh, the old World War One code breakers trying to figure out what she was trying to say, Not and right, we but... are still at a, at a loss. Here it is again. If you missed it, this is how she signed off yesterday. Bye, right, but bye, right, but have you thought about what transpired and what you were trying to say? No. <laughs> I tried forgetting about it, but I couldn't stop laughing yesterday. (laughs) I had a listener message me and say that he was got in a car accident just laughing at it. Such a strange uh, misstep, right? (laughs) Bye, right, but. Bye, right, but. Play the whole thing again there, Solana. (laughs) See you, Figgy. Bye, right, but. Bye, guys. All right. What'd she just say? (laughs) Bye, right, but. It doesn't like I can't even figure out what you would be going for. Like I don't I, I... know. I'm so ashamed. I'm an embarrassment to myself. All right, play play the whole thing there one more time, Solana. See you, Figgy. All right, but bye guys. All right, what'd she just say? All right, but all right, but all right, but it sounds like I got All-right, taken but. over and then I came oh, back. My All right, right, but. but.
<laughs> but then says, okay, see you later, guys. <laughs> just normal. Try to After, play it off. <laughs> Bye, butts. Bye, right, butt. All right. Well, JFig, if you want to see forever. her... If you want to see her entire review of Flashdance, check out her Instagram page. It's uh, <laughs> JFig Radio. You should really be right butt, but it's JFig Radio. Letter J-F-I-G <laughs> Radio. Um, all right, let's give her suggestions for tonight. I am going to suggest... Have you ever seen the movie Weird Science? I have never seen that. Never seen Weird Science. Wow. Is it an actual it's, film? Let me Google yeah. it. Yes, that's another classic 80s movie. Believe Believe it or not, Robert Downey Jr. is in it, and Anthony Michael Hall, yep. and Kelly LeBrock. It is a uh, a great soundtrack from Oingo Boingo, did the uh, the title track, and it is uh, that is a movie anyone who grew up in the 80s like me has seen. So Weird Science is going to be my recommendation to you. I cannot believe you haven't seen that. Crowder, have you seen Weird Science? Oh yeah, that weird science. Yeah. That you know what? That's one of those teenage boy movies you got to yeah. watch. Yeah, yeah. Solana, have you seen Weird Science? No, I've never seen it. Really? How about you, Dan Day? You've seen Weird Science? Science. Yes, of course. <laughs> I feel like he's seen everything. All right, so what uh, what are you going to suggest for Jay Fig Crowder? I got two because I'm hoping you've seen the first one. I'm really praying you've seen the first one. The Sixth Sense. Bruce Willis. Yes. Okay. Totally. Great movie. Totally. One of my all-time just, favorites. Yeah, that's a great movie. I was seeing it. Now, I'm going a little dark, but it is a great movie as well, Jay Fig. You got Morgan Freeman. You got fine-ass Brad Pitt. You got Kevin Spacey Ooh. in the movie Seven. Seven? Seven. What's in the box? Yes. <laughs> That's a great scene <laughs> in the middle of the damn desert. Seven. That's a good Seven. suggestion. I think that might be a movie that Figgy likes. That might be a good, uh, yeah, might be a Figgy style movie. Uh, you know Solana? what I'm doing? I'm doing what? now is I, if if I stop on a movie when I'm panel surfing, right, I'll write, write it down. down to remind yep. myself to tell Jay Fig. I do the Aww. same thing. What uh, what are you gonna suggest, Solana? Jay Fig today is Jessica Alba's 38th birthday. One of my favorite actresses. So I wanted to give you a Jay Alba's movie, but it's so difficult because her filmography. Alps? Yeah, Jay Alba. That's what we call I, I just, her in the just movie plus, industry. Just don't 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 bite on the lure. <laughs> it's don't what bite we, on uh, the lure. It's what us Swim uh, right by it. cinematographers uh, refer oh, to God. as Jay Alba's. Uh, but it's so it's still difficult because her filmography is truly incredibly deep. I think I've come up, though, with her best movie. Are you ready, J-Fig? Uh, not really, but okay. Into the Blue. I actually uh, have not seen that movie. I've never even heard of it. I don't even know what that is. I believe it's on Netflix, right? Yeah, Paul Walker, Jessica Alba. I, you can't go wrong with this film, J-Fig. Trust me. Fair. All right, well, let's rule that one out. Dan Day, <laughs> what uh, what are you going to suggest for J-Fig? Always so tough following Solana, but oh, man. <laughs> Showstopper over here. This movie is kind of an unconventional look at the love between a grandfather and his granddaughter. And if you like the dance scene at the end of Tropic Thunder, this dance scene is going to blow your mind. Little Miss Sunshine. I have not seen it. Oh, I've seen it. I don't even recall it too much. I saw it, and I remember loving the movie, but I don't think I ever saw it after the original time I saw it. It's got everything. It's from 06, right? Yeah, it's got everything. Yeah, that sounds about right. Dave, yeah. uh, what's the name? Right. Carell's Steve in it? Steve Carell. Steve Carell. Yeah, yeah Steve Carell. Yeah. All right, here are your suggestions, Jay Fig. I am suggesting Weird Science, and uh, Crowder is suggesting Seven. What's in the box? <laughs> 
and Solana wasted our time, and Dan Day is suggesting. Uh, what did you suggest, uh, Dan? The, the Little Miss Sunshine. Little Miss, Little Sunshine. Miss Sunshine. All right. Uh, Jay Fig, are you ready to accept your assignments for tonight? I am ready. All right. And we'll see, see you, you at, at the movies. The movies. Oh my that God, that was a little better. It's killing us. The lag, it's killing us. All right, Jay Fig, that was great. We'll see ya. All right, bye, left butt. <laughs> well done. She has already eclipsed you in comic timing, Solana. Jay Fig dropping the jokes, but not taking my movie picks serious. I've been here for weeks and weeks and weeks requesting bangers. Little Miss Sunshine, come on, you know that's the best movie. She just, grain of salt, nah, 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 nah. One day she's going to watch my movies and be like, I'm really sorry I missed out on all that good stuff, Dan. Nah, it's her fault. Hopefully you're not missing out on the big Michael Jordan documentaries that have been running. Gotta show some love to Michael Jordan and his feud with Isaiah Thomas right here. This is Isaiah. Talking about the walk-off. Well, I know it's all bull****. Whatever he says now, you know it wasn't his true actions then. You know, it's time enough to think about it. Or the reaction of the public that's kind of changed his perspective of it. You can show me anything you want. There's no way you can convince me he wasn't ass. With that, I'm walking off. I'm not calling you any names. I am Dan Day. Hopefully you have a great night. Follow me at Dan Day Radio. Download the podcast. This is the best of the Joe Show. Later, slug. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.